Welcome back to the MicroConf podcast. This week, we are continuing our MicroConf refresh series with the third keynote from MicroConf Remote held back in September of 2020. If you recall, the theme of MicroConf Remote was founder stories. The first keynote was about getting from zero to 1K MRR. Talk two was about getting to 10K MRR. And our third talk is about accelerating to $100,000 of monthly recurring revenue and beyond. This is a talk from the co-founders of Squadcast. It's Zach Moreno and Rock Felder. Squadcast launched and found its community in the podcasting space and was growing at a, a nice steady clip. And then the COVID pandemic happened and it took off like a rocket ship. It took Rock and Zach nearly two years to go from launch to 10K MRR. And then over a single year, they 10X'd that to $100,000 a month of recurring revenue and beyond. In this talk, they cover three things they can point to that carried them towards and beyond that 100K MRR milestone. It's a really good talk. I hope you enjoy it. Our next keynote is from the co-founders of Squadcast. Squadcast.fm is podcast. It's remote podcast recording software. So you log into a web browser, you send a link to a guest, up to three guests, and you can all uh, just get in and instantly record local audio, super high quality. It's what I use to record all three of my podcasts. So Zach Moreno and Rock Felder, they've been friends for most of their lives, and they're lucky to have maintained that friendship as they built Squadcast into a company that has blown past 100K MRR. They've blown past that mark in the past year. And with that, let's welcome Rock and Zach to the show. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Hi, thanks, Rob. I'll let you Thank take you. it from here. Can you hear us, guys? Yep. All right. Well, hello right. to our friends at MicroConf. Thank you all for your time today. We're super excited, maybe even a little nervous about sharing our story with you on how we blew past 100K MRR. Just a warning, uh, it happened a little bit different than we expected, and we think it can for you, too. Uh, before we do get started with uh, the presentation, though, we would like to introduce ourselves. So, Zach, say hi and uh, tell them a little something about what you do at Squadcast. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Squadcast with my good friend, Rock. Yeah, and I'm Rock, and I'm the co-founder and CFO, so kind of handle uh, more of the business sales side of things. Okay. So, a little bit about our backstory. We're uh, longtime friends, as we shared, and we are avid podcast listeners. Rock actually introduced me to podcasts, and I've always loved listening because we have uh, we have a love for for learning new things. And podcasts are a fantastic way to go really deep into a niche topic uh, very quickly. And um, from there, we decided to make the the transition over the course of. A couple of years later, decided to make the jump from being a passive listener to, to a lot of podcasts and really make the jump into being a, an active creator and participate in making our own show. We wanted to do a science fiction audio drama. So um, that's a relatively new category within podcasting and uh, just fell in love with that right away. So uh, once we started that journey, we had a we had a constraint of being a remote team and um, you know, like like we are today, so uh, we we didn't want to sacrifice the the audio quality of our production uh, with uh, with that constraint of having a remote producer and voice actors and um, authors and all of those things. We we needed to have high quality production while having a distributed team to have any kind of regular cadence, which is super important to to podcast audience growth. 
So we, we found that problem of, of audio quality wasn't really there with the state of the art in, in the industry and really saw that as a, as a challenge, kind of accepted that challenge and pivoted then from doing this sci-fi audio drama podcast to, uh, to a SaaS startup, which, uh, which is a first for us. So what we do, like Rob shared, we help professional podcasters record remote interviews in studio quality. So we help with recording thousands of hours each month in over 120 countries around the world. And uh, in the graphic, you can see there on the right, the uh, oh, no. clicker. Ah, there we go. Sorry about that. Cool. There we go. That's the graphic. All right. So um, we help podcasters. We do it a lot. And um, and that UX is uh, very similar to other video apps and conferencing apps that you may have used, except that we record studio quality audio. Um, and we have two patents pending on our technology solutions for how we empower that style of recording. And uh, we've been bootstrapped and working on this for around four years now. All right, and uh, on this next slide, you'll see some of the companies that we're honored to work with, but we also get to work with a lot of amazing podcasters like Pat Flynn, Kara Swisher, people at the Spotify Gimlet teams, and so many of those other companies that you see. Oh, excuse me, and the great Rob Walling too, like he mentioned. So yeah, it's truly an honor. You, yeah, it's truly an honor to help that and so many other podcasters in various uh, places in their journey, whether they're just starting off or they're uh, you know a pro working for a big corporation. Uh, and these creatives really define the standard for audio quality in our industry, and uh, we're really helping to achieve it at scale. All right. But because we have such deep respect for the work that you all are doing, we need to be real with our fellow bootstrappers. It honestly felt like it took forever for us to reach 10K MRR, and um, that wasn't very long ago. Yeah, so um, we've never done any of this before. And uh, like Rock said, we respect all of you for going on a, on a similar journey. And uh, our founding team have all had day jobs for, for years into this experience together. And, uh, and when we finally did reach 10K MRR, um, 100K just seemed like light years in the future from that. And uh, Rock and I finally started paying ourselves in January of this year. So still 2020, uh, even though it has been kind of a, a dumpster fire in lots of ways, uh, that was a big milestone for us. Uh, so we suspect that uh, this may sound familiar to the to the journey that you're on. All right, so we're going to go back about a year when we did finally reach that 10K MRR um, milestone. And do you remember how good that felt, man? Like how I mean, we <laughs> felt like we made it. We felt like we were balling and we were yeah. paying ourselves. We were still operating on pretty minimal resources, but it, it was a big moment. Yeah, it felt like it. It took forever uh, to get there and then lots of tweaks and listening and conversations uh, to even have a shot at doing that. And yeah, that that was a huge milestone for us. So um, and, and it started to feel validating because like yeah. more uh, co other companies, entrepreneurs, fellow founders that we talked to, like it was like, oh, OK, 10K, like, you know, good job, boys. Finally. Yeah. Uh, but years yeah, later. <laughs> it felt like we were clawing our ways there. 
yeah. on our way there. So uh, fast forward to uh, about a year. So a year later, May 2020, we hit 100K MRR. And uh, so much has changed and, and continues to evolve. And I think that's what's really fun about the journey is, is how things have changed and evolved. And we're going to walk you through some of the main reasons why we think we reached this uh, point. And yeah, just go over how it happened. All right. So after lots of reflection and kind of soul searching and really trying to unpack that that journey, uh, which we do as a practice kind of ongoing, but but this opportunity uh, to speak with you today really uh, was a was a great forcing function to, to look at this more deeply. And that's really where we we uh, realized that our story of this rapid growth really arcs across these three chapters of focus, reputation, and the final chapter, um, the final chapter we're going to keep as a surprise. So we'll, we'll keep you in suspense temporarily on that, but uh, stick with us. It'll be, it'll be worth your while. Yeah. Hopefully our marketing folks out there can appreciate the uh, mystique tactic. <laughs> All so right. the first one, uh, focus. So to be quite candid, the original vision for Squadcast was more or less pretty similar to, to what it is today. However, it was a bit inflated. We were kind of trying to do a little too much, to be honest. Thankfully, we we're really fortunate to get great advice from uh, our advisors, uh, our customers. And really what they told us was, we don't need you to be good at everything. We need you to focus on this one thing, and that is being experts at remote recording and really helping the industry and, and the creators in the space really understand what that is like, whether they're using Squadcast or not. There's a lot of opportunities for us to help. And of course, you know, we think once we can build up that reputation that, um, you know, that they'll come to us because we are the, the experts when it comes to recording their content remotely. Um, so really what they guided us to understanding was that was our role. Uh, it wasn't intuitive to us at first, but it was really about us really uh, putting our flag in the ground as, as establishing ourselves as experts. So one of the state, the sayings that's really stuck with me over the years is one that Dan Martell says, which is startups typically die um, not from indigestion, but due to starvation or not from starvation, but due to indigestion. Uh, so it's, too much ideas, too much going on, um, not a lack of ideas, which is kind of funny because at least at first when we were trying to you know, start off Squadcast or I know you and me separately were each trying to do something more entrepreneurial and independent, it's like, well, what's going to be that idea? And, <laughs> and it turns out that's not the hard part. Um, yeah. So in addition to that, though, we, we also learned that we needed to focus not just on being experts in this particular niche of podcasting, but also that we're, we're, we're SaaS founders, we're bootstrap SaaS founders. So really focusing on becoming professionals at be being SaaS founders, specifically bootstrap uh, SaaS founders. So we did that by learning from the greats and really not just take, taking in that knowledge, but like applying that knowledge, like almost immediately. One of the things that uh, I don't know if you could call it a mantra or just a, a saying that we say a lot. It's not ours, so we're not trying to take it from anybody, but it's called just-in-time learning, that as things kind of come up during the, the founder entrepreneur journey, you can't know everything, but you, we got to get comfortable with at least learning on the fly. And so like understanding key topics like our unit economics, like pricing, I mean, we wouldn't be in this position today if we hadn't really taken it upon ourselves to 
really learn about those things because pricing was one of those things that guys like Rob Walling are always telling you it's a big deal. It's one of those levers that you can pull and, and truly transform, uh, transform the business. And, and it, it did like our revenue went up as you can imagine, but our churn went down and it's, it's exactly what they say. Another one is like kind of figuring out our customer support, uh, especially relative to the type of business model you have. So our, our business model is a little bit on the lower price side, but we were delivering high touch customer support, which can't scale. And that it was never designed to scale. It was designed to build relationships, but just understanding the whys and, um, and learning from it. And again, like learning from it is one thing, but actually implementing it is way harder. I mean, how, how difficult was it to not just figure out what our pricing was, but actually put it into place. But boy, was it worth it, right? Difficult. Yeah. To answer your question. <laughs> One word. <laughs> and uh, now as part of Tiny Seed, uh, we're, we're seeing that have an impact uh, again on the next iteration of our pricing, but uh, but with our peer companies uh, that inspire us by uh, by making these these uh, improvements as well. So uh, so as founders, like uh, like all of you and, and us, uh, we're a finite and valuable resource. So uh, please don't waste any of your time working on stuff, something that doesn't matter. Um, but Zach, you might be saying, how do we know what matters, right? That's oversimplistic. Um, so much has been said about founders having extreme passion for the work that they're doing. But um, I, I would challenge you there or submit that what what, what about your customers? Like, do they have passion for the problem that you're working to solve for them? If that's not the case, then it probably doesn't matter. That's probably a good indicator. So uh, the Based Camp team, uh, who we're big fans of, uh, coined the term JOMO, and uh, we love that. So uh, as a result of intense focus, uh, one result, I should say, of intense focus is that you will for sure, miss out on other opportunities. And that's okay. Just accept that now, or we have anyway. What's Jomo mean? Uh, the joy of missing out. Mm. Excuse me. Yeah. Mm. So kind of the kind of a, a different take on FOMO. Um, so we have had plenty of huge opportunities and potential game-changing ideas, pitches from VCs on pivot to this and we'll fund you or do this other thing at the same time as Squadcast. Um, so we've we've had those those ideas. Uh, for for other SaaS companies, um, but we've not pursued any of them with intention, um, and I should say yet, because we're focused. Because we're focused on realizing our potential within Squadcast. That's that's the opportunity at hand. So one thing about focus is uh, that it is a constant struggle to maintain focus. So I would recommend that you stay mindful, check in with yourself, and just keep saying no to stuff that doesn't matter using that same approach that we shared before. Yeah. One of the things we said is like the bootstrappers way is just inevitably to get good at saying no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we have reputation. Um, so if, if the problems you are solving, they do matter to customers, then there's likely going to be a community of people who that matters to. And we're all here because we're bootstrapping, which also means that we're investors in ourselves. So invest the resources that you have, uh, not just in your business, keep doing that, but also into the community that you're in service of. And you can do that by hosting meetups, by sponsoring conferences like this one, 
and uh, and just generally fostering conversations. And uh, we're a bit biased, but we think that podcasting is a great way to have an ongoing dialogue with on, uh, within the topic uh, that, that you're an expert in and you're helping serve customers in. So um, if your customers are more involved in, in this community than your company is, then you're probably not, that's probably an indicator that you're not investing enough. So you want to invest more than them. And, uh, and that'll also help position you within the, the, their minds as being you know, part of this industry, part of this, this new category that you're working to create. So it's important to speak with your community, but it is more important, it's paramount, in fact, that you, you listen when you're having these, these conversations. I think our friend Colleen uh, mentioned listening. Is, is critical to their business. It's been critical to ours. We often say that uh, in an industry full of people who speak for a living, our superpower needs to be listening to them. So we practice that. And while you're investing in the community, it's, it's a good idea to listen more than you speak, like help catalyze these conversations, but then listen. The community will then invest feedback and ideas into your product. And uh, don't, don't stop there. Don't stop with listening. Uh, put it into practice. Actually do what they are telling you to do. And then, and this is kind of magical, then you get to tell this story to other people. And you get to give those customers, those community members, credit for that idea. And you can keep going through this cycle. And you keep doing that until you stop counting. And your product will have improved dramatically. And the community will love you because of the ROI they got on their investment of ideas and feedback. Yeah, I think another big part of how we developed our reputation within the space was uh, really how what our approach to managing what was in our control. And that's what I mean by, or what we mean rather by show up every day. Uh, it sign, sounds kind of cliche and just like not specific, but like we've just experienced so many magical things just by showing up every day and also the fact that like our competition just does not <laughs> so we just saw it as a way of like showing our passion about the problems we're solving and how we solve customers like taking that opportunity any way that we can because it's really easy to show up when customers are happy but when showing up actually matters the most we found is is when they're unhappy so kind of like what zach was talking about was that we found that those are the opportunities to build the most positive reputation by figuring out to make it uh, right. And excuse me, those people that uh, were our biggest critics, we've time and time again, turned them into uh, our biggest fans. And so we've kind of almost seen it as like somewhat of a repeatable process, but over time, we believe this mindset of showing up uh, over time yields similar benefits as like compound interest and that investment over time, money, and going wherever necessary built up a significant amount of social equity that we believe really contribute, contributed to our final chapter. And what's that final chapter? Yeah, so a bit of a, bit of a drum roll here, please. All right. And there we go. All right. It's luck. <laughs> so to be honest, there's in our opinion, no getting around the fact that our growth was significantly impacted by some strange fortune. Uh, several people in our network, whether they were advisors or customers or just like other founders, investors, 
they would always talk about startups having some sort of inflection point or moment when, you know, they just had, it, it just things change for them. Uh, and so we would just always wonder, well, when's our time coming? It seems like things are going good. We're hitting 10K MRR, continuing to grow. It's going good, but it's, it's not like we're not, nothing's gone viral yet, if you will. Um, and so we're just one of those many stories of a crazy opportunity uh, and shelter in place was ours. So suddenly uh, content creators across the world were in desperate need of a high quality remote solution to keep their production on schedule. And thankfully Squadcast had already built up this reputation as being really focused on uh, recording quality content remotely. Um, so I don't know if you remember, man, but like back in March, uh, getting on the phone and just being like, holy F word, is this, is this happening? Is this, is this it? And then what were yeah, you saying? This is it. This yeah, is, I think it is. So uh, a little crazy and, and not lost on us that like we are fortunate and, and, but uh, I don't think our story is necessarily that exceptional because there's other people that are benefiting and, and having success in this as, as well. Um, but Anthony Bourdain, who we're a big fan of, and I know he's not a startup founder, so I have no idea what the context of this quote was in, but he uh, was quoted as saying, luck is not a business model, and we agree with him. So, But we believe our luck was only realized uh, because we were so focused on being the best at something that mattered and had built up a reputation uh, for when our time come came. Yeah, and uh, about luck, you know, as, as far as we know, uh, in, inflections, inflection points, they can't really be designed or engineered. Uh, side note, if you feel otherwise, we're, we're happy to explore that. Um, but what you can design and engineer is in preparation for those inflection points to come. So um, why did we sponsor the largest conference in our industry before we even had a stable product or any customers? Uh, why did we need to build a global cloud infrastructure with microservices built to scale when we only had like 50 customers? So much of the work that we did before shelter in place felt like extreme overkill. But in reality, uh, it wasn't um, because we were ready for when luck found us. So look at where you are each day and ask yourself, what would break if we were to 10x tomorrow? Like uh, I was just talking with my wife over the weekend and it's like, are, are you ready to explode? You know, uh, that's, that's a strange question, but that's essentially another way to say it. So make those improvements now. Uh, ask yourself that question, make a list, do those improvements, keep repeating that. And take your startup seriously. I, I know you all do, but take it more seriously and uh, have intentions to grow it, be, be ready to explode. So what are you doing all of this hard work for if, if you're not expecting that growth is even another way to put it. All right, so the big question is, is what now? Well, I mean, we're certainly not done yet as, as proud as we are of, of our accomplishments. In many ways, we still feel like we're just getting started and yeah. there's so many <laughs> things left to accomplish, which I guess is the beauty and the beast of, of this whole game that we're in. Uh, but we have learned that what got us to 10K is not what got us to 
to 10, 100K. I mean, you know, think about how different our jobs day to day are from just a couple months ago. It's it's continuing to evolve and change, and Very. something I think we're learning to embrace and really uh, get excited about. Even though uh, you know, change isn't always the easiest thing to deal with, uh, but we do feel like the same is going to be true for when we hit that one million MRR amount or uh, beyond. Yeah, and we have some really good ideas we built up and are continuing to build a really great team uh, to prepare for that tomorrow, today. And um, if, if, we, if, we, if we would not be able to get there without focus, reputation, and luck to this next milestone beyond where we're headed. So thank you all so much for, for listening to us today and making this event really great. Uh, we, we've had a great time learning from everybody, and we hope the same is true for you. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Um, just a reminder to folks in Shindig, feel free to ask your questions in the chat. It looks like, looks like we have quite a few questions already pouring in. Um, great, great. I'm going to kick us off with first question. Did you guys ever launch that sci-fi audio drama? <laughs> Tell them. Um, yeah, not yet. Yeah, not uh, yet. We, do have, uh, we do have a podcast, though, called Between Two Mics, where we explore the and have conversations with people that are helping to advance podcasting forward in different ways. Uh, audio dramas, science fiction are, uh, are a big part of that, but we also talk about the technology and just uh, general momentum. Podcasting being a relatively new medium has all sorts of opportunities for, for innovation, and some of that science fiction is is becoming science fact. So we're, we're proud to play a small part in that. Very cool. If you ever launch it, I, I want to check it out. So yeah, first question. We, we got one subscriber. Yeah, and we have uh, we've totally. made up more connections and friends who are actually, turns out podcasts like that are a tremendous amount of work. I mean, you know, Rob, with uh, with your media production, uh, an interview podcast is, uh, is a lot of work, but uh, scripted drama with voice actors all over the world, yeah. But uh, thankfully, our technology solution is there to, uh, to keep the quality up. Indeed. So first question from the audience. Deep asks, Zach, without any previous references of success, how did you stay on a path to solid growth? Did you put your eyes on 100K MRR or was it more wing it, more, more a wing it playful approach to see how far you got? And then he has a separate question for Rock. But I feel like either of you could answer that. Yeah, these, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, I, I would not say it was wing it. I would say that it's, uh, you know, milestone, uh, reassess, you know, reach a milestone, reassess what's next. What's, what do we think is going to take to get us there? What are kind of the bottlenecks to that today? What's our path to remove those? And also then, um, like, what are the resources we have now? Because that's another thing that's evolving. It's not just a new set of challenges. It's a new set of opportunities that come from your new MRR. Having reached that, you can use those resources to add, invest further into your business, further into the community, and just continue uh, continuing that cycle, I think is more so how we look at it. It's just that there's more zeros now. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a trip, but that, that's our process. And if I could just add, it's kind of similar to the advice we give to podcasters that have interview shows where they ask, like, should I have like a script of all these detailed questions I want or is it better to wing it? What, what do you think is best? And what we found is somewhere in the middle, having an outline of where you want to go, some type of roadmap, if you will, but leaving yourself freedom for things to come up, some creativity. Like you never know what's what's going to happen. Like we didn't know shelter in place would just 
put us in a position where we had to handle just a surge of, of new podcasters or experienced podcasters that need to record their shows remotely. Yeah, I like to think of it because when I record a podcast interview, I do have an outline of questions I'm going to ask, but I almost never stick to that outline. I also, uh, I'll either skip some or I'll insert additional ones, uh, you know, based on what someone says. I like to think of it as if I'm going to drive from LA to New York, I know that I'm going east. I don't know if I'm going the south route or the north route. Or there's all these different places I could go through. But in general, I know where I'm going. And then it, you just don't know how fast you're going to go and exactly what roads you're going to take, right? I think that's a, a decent metaphor for it. Yeah. Totally. Um, next question from Deep. Um, he addressed it to Rock, but again, I feel like either you could ask it. He said, Rock, you mentioned learning from the greats plus just-in-time learning. Can you elaborate on that? What specifically worked really well for you with regards to learnings, with regard to learnings? Yeah, so when we first started Squadcast, we didn't really know what we were becoming a part of in the sense of a community. We didn't know like bootstrapping was this whole thing. And we didn't know any podcasters. Well, like, that, that too. <laughs> yeah. So we just would go to wherever those people were that were either, you know, experienced SaaS founders, like, like you, Rob, Dan Martell, or, you know, some of the more specific stuff like uh, Patrick Campbell from ProfitWell, they do a bunch of stuff on pricing. So when we needed to learn pricing just in time, we went to the people who were seen as experts. And again, the easy part is, is learning. The hard part is implementing. Um, and, but we just are, we, I feel like we're a testament of it's worth that effort because it did transform our business. It, it's also a, a bit meta. We use pod, I mentioned in the very beginning that we love learning from podcasts because it's a very efficient way to go deep on a very niche topic. So you want to learn about SaaS pricing, right? Uh, you can find, you know, three podcast episodes, 10 podcast episodes on that and be from zero to 60 by like later today, uh, listening to those. And like Rock said, the trick really is having the levers, being able to implement that right away. So um, I can't, uh, there, there's so many examples of, oh, I just read this book or I just read this chapter or this section of this book. And, you know, it's, it's part of our business and strategy the next day. Um, that's something that we repeat over and over and over again. Yep. It's that advantage of being a startup founder and being able to implement really quickly, right? Versus working at a fortune 500 or a thousand and you're, it might take you three months to get everyone on board and like, you know, get a pilot project going. I'm not saying it's bad to work at fortune 1000. It's just the different trade-offs we have. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and tiny seed is some extreme version of that. So, uh, so we've picked up, uh, we've picked up so much and implemented it very quickly. And we're seeing that same, uh, same approach from our peer companies. So that, that's a great way to kind of throw some gasoline on the fire with advice sure. and you know, all the great things that come from the work that they're doing. Yeah. And that, that brings us to our next question. It's a good segue. So Justin Jackson asked, why take funding from tiny seed if you are at hundred K MRR? Well, that's a great question, Justin. Up, Justin? Uh, so we were not at 100K by the time we started talking to Tiny Seed. Uh, it just kind of happened, but we were already uh, looking for ways to um, just grow our network and become more professional <laughs> founders. After talking with so many different investors, angels, accelerators, Tiny Seed just felt like the right fit for uh, many reasons. Um, but yeah, shortly after... Um, that relationship became formalized. We did hit 100K. So the money was not something we really necessarily needed, but the the advice and the, the support is something that uh, we truly value, especially as we're navigating these waters for the first time. That's something we've always tried to, um, tried to remain mindful of is uh, 
when you're not going out and actively raising venture capital, we, we tend to think of it exactly like that, where it's, it's, it's capital. Um, but you're also kind of uh, potentially sacrificing opportunities to get advice from people who have done this before. And so we've always been very intentional about our advisory board and the, the skills within um, so that we can we can learn from people who have done this before as first time founders. And then Tiny Seed, again, was just a, a crazy, crazy degree of that same approach that um, has already been having a really great impact uh, beyond kind of our, our core advisory board. Yeah, I, th I think that's an important point. And Tiny Seed aside, it's like a mistake I made early on, and I think a lot of bootstrappers make, is that they feel like they should be able to do it all on their own, and they don't set up an advisory board, or they don't have a mastermind group, or they don't have other people who have true kind of insight and impact on into their business. And, and you guys have done a good job. There's some people that I know, like Ruben Gomez is another example of someone who has really always sought out mentors and is just willing to be teachable, you know, is willing to, to not have the attitude, again, the attitude I had 10 years ago of like, well, I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to do it all on my own. And it just, it, it took me a lot longer to get there because of that. So I think advice, network, and, and the bat, you know, being in a community and having a mastermind, I think all that's like so, so important. So uh, Eric Tompkins asks, can you talk more about how you invest in the podcast community? Where and how can this be done? Yeah. So uh, just the re most recent example, we uh, we funded or we provide this we provided the seed funding for the We Are Diverse Creators Summit, which is um, was a remote event for by uh, founded by one of our advisors, uh, Adriana Flores Regad, uh, co-founded this new event that was an underserved conversation and community within podcasting. And um, I'm very grateful that we could help bring that to life. Uh, through some through some investment and also participation, so it's not all dollars and you know capital. It's also Rock spoke at that event, um, and we we helped kind of provide a, our network for getting speakers to that event. And there's all sorts of ways that you can leverage the resources that you have. That may not always be capital uh, to invest. It's social equity. It's your network. It's it's these um, these additional elements that you can bring to uh, to the community. So we speak at events all the time. That's another great way. Of course, we we sponsor events um, and continue continue on that path. I mean, of course, Shelter in Place has kind of turned that on its head as we're all experiencing right now. So uh, I respect what you're doing uh, with with the team, Rob, of, of finding a way to make this engaging and, and stay stay the course, even though uh, 2020 has been so strange. So, uh, so there are all sorts of ways. Another is just um, talking to our customers, talking to the community and not having kind of a sales agenda, just listening, right? Um, it, through meetups and, and in our case, we, uh, have, we have the ability to go on and be guests on people's podcasts and learn from them about what they're doing, um, how they're interviewing other people, what they're learning from their guests. So there's, there's all sorts of ways. Um, I would just even... It's, it's probably helpful to just even not even worry about the money as an investment, find other resources that you have and, uh, and put those to work in the community. Very cool. So we have, we're going to have the lightning round here. We have about three and a half minutes and I think I have like another six questions or something. So a question from Andrew Comfort. He says, you have pending patents and perhaps more in the works. How do you balance your intellectual property secrecy slash NDA needs with your openness and communication and acceptance of ideas from users? 
ooh, I thought that was going to take a different turn. I thought he was going to talk about when you file patents, they're public and competitors can copy them. So, but he's saying user. Global, he only filed patents in the U.S. So that's a whole different, uh, you know, consideration. But um, you're absolutely right. We are open with our customers. Uh, it's just the level of detail that we provide. And um, one of those patents anyway is how we upload and um, progressively upload our audio so that it's uh, reliable as well as high quality. And that idea came from one of our, from our founding advisor, Harry Duran, who, uh, you want to listen to our podcast, the episode just dropped today with a conversation with him. That's called Between Two Mics. So uh, Harry gets full credit for that idea of progressive upload. Well, not full credit. Well, yeah. How we actually built it, very, <laughs> very different thing. It took us 10 attempts, right, to build this out. So um, there's, uh, it's just a level of transparency that, that you provide. You, we can talk about how things work without getting into the nitty gritty of how this particular microservice sends this request and routes, you know, how we render that audio or there's all sorts of details there that that actually inform the patent of being novel that uh, you don't need to put in your marketing material. It's just more so communicating the benefits of it. Question from James McBrien. Since you grew a lot during shelter in place, do you expect do you expect the post shelter in place world to impact your company? How are you preparing for that? Yeah, so I'll answer this as best I can with lightning round response. Uh, of course, we definitely anticipate some sort of change. However, our main focus is to just make sure that the relationships we're building now continue to stay intact and sticky. And what we're learning, uh, because we're so intimately involved with all of our customers, whether it's solo podcasters or uh, Vox, ESPN, the folks over there that we're talking to, it does sound like there's going to be a place for remote recording in their production, that they see the benefits of it. A lot of these companies or people uh, aren't all in the same room. So they're still going to, we think that we're confident that there's still going to be a place for, for Squadcast in these production schedules uh, for, for the near future. Or yeah. Not near future, long, long ESPN future. is a great example. They're a distributed company because of their scale. So there's absolutely, there was a place before, there's a place after. Now it's just more so like, hey, we don't have to sacrifice quality to, uh, to record remotely. We're trying to do that. I'm trying to do lighter. Come on, man. So last question for the day from Justin Jackson. How big is the Squadcast team? Yeah, so we're uh, we're up to seven as of last week. So we just added a, a new a new uh, software engineer and product manager, Grace. Thank you, and uh, and she's already crushing it, um, up and running. And then uh, as of last week, a voice, very strong voice within our community. We hired as a community manager, and her name is Ariel Nissenblatt. So we're very excited with the growth of the team. Uh, the the five uh, in addition to that were kind of Rock and I and our founding team. So. Uh, you know, that's that's where we're at right now. Gentlemen, thank you so much again. Rock and Zach, appreciate your time today on MicroConf Remote. Thanks again to Zach and Rock for giving their talk at MicroConf Remote. Hope you're enjoying these refresh episodes. If you haven't left us a review in iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, I would really appreciate just clicking that five star. Helps us get found by more people, helps us provide value, and it gives us motivation to keep going. So thank you again for listening, and I'll see you in your earbuds again next Tuesday morning.